0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee with Alan. Have a special guest today. And before I introduce Jason, I'd like to show the cup today. Nothing will work unless you do. Now, I invited Jason Brick on here to share some strategies and tips to help keep you and your family safe. Those tips will be worthless unless you do some work and actually act upon the advice and strategies and tips that Jason provides. And that's the same with anything that I provide. You know, we can help you with information, but you have to do the work to keep yourself and your family safe. Jason's a friend of mine. He's the author of When Nothing... There I Was, When Nothing Happened, a book that I'm proud to be part of. It's a collection of stories about how violence professionals ended violence without going physical. So it's a great book, and I'm proud to have a chapter in there with one of the times I was working security. Jason's newest book just came out. I don't have a copy with me right now today yet, but it's The Safest Family on the Block, which Jason also runs a podcast, The Safest Family on the Block, and provides just a ton of different information to keep you and your family safe. Not just the traditional, you know, be safe from the bad guy jumping out of the bushes, but how to be safe from all sorts of things that could, you know, hurt our lives. And so we want to be safe from everything out there so we can enjoy life. And that's Jason has the same type of philosophy. And so our teachings go hand in hand. And I'm proud to have him on today. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. I am so thrilled to be here. Jason, just give a quick little background for people that might not be as familiar with you. And I just did a really tiny little introduction. So go ahead and give a little information about yourself. Sure thing. So, as you mentioned, I'm the
1: host of the podcast Save His Family on the Block, and that was kind of the culmination of a project that started when I adopted my oldest son. It started a little earlier than that, actually. You know, I've been involved in martial arts safety and security for my entire life, starting when I was 11 years old. And um, by the time I became a father, I I had four degrees of black belts in one art, three degrees of black belts in another. I'd competed internationally. I Taught martial arts internationally, done some bodyguard work, some bouncing work. I would traveled to unsafe places and done unsafe things, but come out the other end okay. I thought I was a badass. I mean, I had a lot of certificates that kind of proved it. But I realized very quickly that almost none of that experience and training had taught me how to protect another person, let alone a helpless small life for which I was entirely responsible. And uh, because I had some very good coaches... My response to figuring that out was to go find people who could teach me what I wanted to know. And Save His Family on the Block is an iteration of that where I use that experience, my experience as a martial artist and a father, and also my career in journalism, to interview the best experts I could find on all the different ways to keep our kids safe. And that's from, like you said, it's violence prevention is included, but also fire prevention, first aid, nutrition, how to communicate with our kids, how to interface with teachers, bully prevention, shooting survival, which is how you and I met because I read your book. So everything that I can think of or people can bring to my attention about keeping kids safe, I find somebody really smart to talk to me about it. And then the book is a distillation of the first three years worth of information I got from that podcast.
0: That's awesome, and I'm going to have put Dixon's question up to let you answer, and then when you answer this, go ahead and tell people where they can go to get the book. Dixon asks, Too Early to Tell, how was your book launch, Jason?
1: Well, thank you for softballing that in there, Dixon. I think you know, you saw the announcement that uh, halfway through the launch day, we were number one in safety and first aid on Amazon, and we remained the number one uh, early release on Kindle three days later. Actually, I haven't checked this morning, so two and a half days later at least. So it's been going pretty well. The reviews are coming in. They're very positive. So I'm very, very, very happy about how it's gone so far. Now, where you can get it right now, it's available on Amazon. If you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get it free. Um, If not, it's $5. It's on sale for half off for the first week. The print version has become the victim of a series of errors and problems with the cover that it stopped being a comedy of errors about a day ago, and it started to just be a frustration of errors. But it'll come out pretty soon. And what I'll probably do is do a second launch day once that's finally released. It'll probably be a week after launch day. So this coming Tuesday, maybe a little earlier.
0: We'll see. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Now, everybody, I've asked Jason to give some tips and strategies on how to keep yourself and your family safe. If you have an additional question or want a follow-up, Go ahead and put it in the comments. If you're watching this on a replay, go ahead and put the stuff in the comments, too, because Jason and I will pay attention to those comments and try to answer anything that goes on a replay as well. Jason, what's your first tip you wanted to share today on keeping family safe? Absolutely. Now, you
1: pre-framed me for this, so I'm going to go a slightly different direction, where the books consist of 101 Very simple, very actionable tips. I love your mug. I love what it says about you got to do the work. I think one real issue with a lot of safety information out there is they tend to be very broad and very general. And often coming from a perspective that the average parent just doesn't have. You'll have a a Navy SEAL give you advice that kind of boils down to have several million dollars worth of high level training and be the kind of person who wants to be a Navy SEAL. And that's how you stay safe. Uh, Whereas the advice in the book are very simple things that every parent can carry out. without as much fear, and without as much commitment as I think a lot of the advice out there requires. Uh, But what I wanted to do here was kind of talk about some of the overarching themes that many of the tips hit on. And the first one is, folks, as parents, we worry too much about strangers. You know, there's the stranger danger narrative, which has been proven over and over again to just not be true. There's worry about strangers in your kids' chat rooms on their games. There's on Halloween, we still check our candy to see if a stranger put a razor blade or some strychnine or some fentanyl or, or I don't know, a panther in there, (laughs) whatever it is. And although sometimes except for the Halloween candy thing, which never, ever, ever happened, honestly, you can look it up um those are risks. There are times when strangers hurt children, but overwhelmingly, if somebody hurts your children or another member of the family, it's going to be somebody they know it's going to be somebody, you know, it's going to be a coach is going to be a romantic partner. I mean, take a look at abduction statistics versus viol- domestic violence if you want to get really depressed this morning. It's going to be you know their mother, their mom's new boyfriend. So we spend way too much time worrying about strangers, I think because strangers can kind of be abstracted in our minds and it's not as concrete, where we need to be watching the people we know and the people our kids know, which is much less pleasant to consider, much more difficult emotionally to work through, but it is where the danger will
0: come from. That that is great, and it's right on point. I have an older video on YouTube because my daughter was young. I think I filmed it at a soccer game because there's a bunch of parents and kids behind me. And like I said, my daughter's in college now, so she hasn't played soccer in those little leagues for a long time. So it's an old video, but I talked about the exact same thing, that stranger danger is not what we need to be most concerned with. It is the people that we know. I went to a seminar once on church safety, I was there with Dave Grossman, Jimmy Meek, some other people. And Jimmy did a whole hour talking about it's not the active shooter that comes into the churches that's going to bring us down. It's ourselves mm-hmm. because we're putting the wrong people in charge of our children and we're having kids molested and different things. And he set out a whole thing where how to vet people and make sure that you have the right people watching the children at church same yeah. kind of thing. And if you want to extrapolate that even
1: further, for folks like us, most North American, European dads and moms, you know, the middle class, middle-aged people who live in the suburbs and have a little too much around the middle, like me, like you, like like all of us. The person who's going to kill us or hurt us is us. Leading causes of injury and accident are, you know, motor vehicle accidents, poor diet, inactivity, doing dumb things in dumb places with dumb people. We are the biggest risk to ourselves as well. So many of the important safety things for us starts with us and then goes out to the folks that we know. And then at the very outer edges are um, victimization by a stranger.
0: And that's that's what I think you and I are so much on the same page, you know, talking about this stuff. You know, a few days ago, I was talking about active shooters versus drunk drivers. Mm -hmm. More people are killed by drunk drivers than active shooters every year. I mean if we talk for an hour somebody's going to die in a drunk driving accident statistics show it's mm-hmm. it's less than an hour every day every day of the year if people are dying of because of drunk drivers so we need to do stuff about all these kind of things so yeah agree Absolutely. with you 100% I'm going to say good morning to Kellen she says happy Friday to us thanks for joining us Kellen if you have a question for Jason please be sure to ask what else do you have for us, Jason? All right, so the second one that um, kind of was a theme
1: that showed up in a lot of the tips in the book is the importance of preparation and practice, that so many times, a little bit of preparation, there's the old adage about uh, preparations with a pound of cure. And the way I like to look at it is, for example, you build a good emergency kit for your car and the book has a whole chapter about what you should put in that, that I got through from an interview with uh, somebody from AAA who you know, I sent him an email, said, hey, would you come on the show? But before the show, give me a list of what my car should have, and then we'll go through the items one by one. And you can tell me what they are, what they're for, and how people usually screw up using them. But that kit can take what might be an emergency and turn it into an inconvenience, or it can take what could become a tragedy and make it just an emergency. And so there's so many little things we can do from taking a class, to stocking the right kits, to putting a little food on hand, to working through a fire plan with our kids, Or something as simple as having a talk with your spouse about if school is closed early for a weather emergency, which of us is going to go get them? All of these little things, all that planning, and then rehearsing those plans to the best degree we can are immensely powerful from a safety standpoint. And they can be fun and empowering. One of the first things I started doing when I got serious about my family's safety, this was way before the podcast, was every we we have a house that's kind of wide and rambling. There's three fire extinguishers running around in the house. Every year we go buy one, and we're talking the, you know, the $25 Home Depot model, not one of those big expensive ones you have to recharge. And that one goes where the oldest fire extinguisher lives. The old one we take out, and then we go back in the backyard, usually just before the 4th of July. We build a campfire on the patio, put on gloves and goggles, and then everybody puts out the fire, takes turns to putting out the fire. And that was starting when my kid was seven. You know, the seven year olds, they love that. They, they put on the goggles, they get the thing, they rehearse pass and they do it right. And then all the adults do it too. So every year, every member of the family re-ups how to put out a fire with a fire extinguisher. And it's fun and it's, you know, it's yeah. interesting. And that's that's just an example of a very small thing you can
0: do that's fun and educational and super duper useful. That is awesome. When I did the active shooter training on the Safari Land team, when I was part mm-hmm. of that team, we would actually have the fire extinguishers, the big ones that are in mm-hmm. schools and hospitals and places. And we would ask, who has ever who's sprayed a fire extinguisher? Ever used a fire extinguisher? And it's remarkable how many people have never used one. Yeah. And we would go outside and we would teach them how to use one as a weapon. So we had a bob there. They had to the spray Bob and smash him in the head, and they really enjoyed that. <laughs> and we would always tell them and they can also put out fires. <laughs> yeah. If you ever put out a fire with somebody, let them know that it was police and security guys that taught you how to use it. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on to something else, what are a couple of those things on the car list that maybe a lot of people wouldn't think about? I mean, people probably think about water, food, flashlight, mm-hmm. but maybe what are some things that people don't think about on that car kit? So. One of the things about that list is almost
1: everything on there is very intuitive, but some of it's on the list of, huh, I never thought of that, but wow, now that you mention it, right? Um, One of them that came as more of a reminder than a surprise to me, and probably will for most people, but very few people have them in their car, is for 30 bucks, you can get a hand crank radio, which doesn't work on batteries and can get radio signals. And the newer models include both an LED flashlight and a USB charger port. And that's thirty dollars on Amazon. Right there, you have light, you have communication, and you have power for your phone to give you access to even better communication. Great, great tip,
0: and doesn't yeah. cost that much. No. Yeah. I, I hope on that kit somewhere too, you got a tourniquet, which another 30 bucks, you'll have a tourniquet, which not just for mm-hmm. active shooter situations when I'm telling people and I'm teaching them in my classes, but they're good for automobile accidents and all sorts of other things where you might have massive bleeding. And so yeah. I always tell people they should have a tourniquet in their cars as part of that kit too. Absolutely. Like in in res- if you
1: go for the full-on
0: Israeli bandage, or just a simple tourniquet model.
1: Although one of the folks I've interviewed for my show several times, who's a guy I went to college with who now, well, actually he just changed jobs, but at the time of the interview, he was in charge of medical response for San Francisco International. He has a slightly different attitude about that. I can't had him come on to do an um, interview about building a good for, car first aid kit. He did not include a um, compression bandage or a, a tourniquet in his kit. Because if we're wearing a T-shirt, we have both. Uh, but he won. He want, He wanted a much simpler model because he has a kind of small
0: car. Sure, and I and yeah. I always would argue with that. Is why plan to improvise? Yes. When for thirty bucks, you can have a professional tool that's going to work way better than an improvised tourniquet with a T-shirt.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree, but you know, he's yep. he's nope. more experienced than me on that, so I definitely want to share his his insight
0: no and that's true Mm -hmm. i mean you use whatever you have but like you said earlier preparation is the key and if you're prepared with an actual item made for that i think Mm -hmm. you're it's more ideal yeah it does make your kit a little bit bigger but for a car you have the space usually exactly i'm on the subject of kind of communications and power another piece
1: of information it's not a piece in the kit but something to know was just a simple idea of if you're in a situation where you're stuck and you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere and you have signal, but your your phone's about to lose battery, you know, you're about to lose the last of your battery life, change your voicemail. Say, to i I'm stuck. I'm at these coordinates. Send somebody. And that yep, way yep. th- th- somebody is going to get that eventually.
0: Yep. No, great tip. And stay with your vehicle, folks, if you are stuck, especially it's harsh weather. You know, my wife always wonders sometimes why, you know, I made sure that we had special stuff, especially traveling in the winter. And then it was in Oregon a few, it's been a few years ago now, but that Korean couple, which struck home because my wife is Korean, they got stranded. The the man went to walk to try to get help and, and he died. And then they yeah. found the, the wife with the kid, child later alive in the car. Mm-hmm. And that's why we stay with the vehicle. Your phone tip is awesome. And hopefully you have some supplies to make that stay in the vehicle a little more comfortable until help comes.
1: Absolutely. And that's another piece that I think a lot of people don't have anymore is a paper map. Um, really helps. Those people would not have been in that situation if they had had a paper map and checked it, because they ended up in a bad situation because of a. This was a two thousands era GPS failure that got them where they were. And you know, having a paper map of you know from a county map of where you are, maybe a state map, and then if you're doing a long, you know, family road trip, at least a good atlas, if not the the more detailed map of the territory you're going to
0: spend time in. I made a video a month ago in San Francisco with the San Francisco mm-hmm. Bay behind me, talking about the importance of knowing how to read a map and use a map because our Uber driver was relying on his app and kept wanting to go down a road that was closed because of construction. Yeah. And I pulled out just a map of the area on my phone. It wasn't paper. I did use yeah. my phone to get the map and told him, no, you got to turn this way. And he kept saying the app wants me to go this way. It's like, if you go that way, you're going to run into that construction again, go this yeah. way. And we got our hotel and Matt and I were like, just laughing because this, Uber driver just was totally kept wanting to go by the app and the road was closed. Yeah, And I actually heard something on the radio recently that map sales, paper map sales are actually up this last year. So Hmm. more people are actually looking at real maps. And I hope that's, you know, they're getting that skill because it's valuable.
1: Yeah, I, I suspect that probably is related to how a lot of us started thinking a little more about emergency management with the COVID lockdown started to feel kind of post apocalyptic. There's a lot more, a lot more prepping going on. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Another tip for us or another category? Absolutely. And that's, um, this is about communicating with our kids because so much trouble, especially as they get older can be avoided by having their kids know that you're in their camp, knowing that you are a reliable bastion of support and comfort so that, that they can come to with questions that you're not going to freak out about. And one of the big tips is, a. Uh, and it's a change, I think, from a lot of the parenting advice we had, which is to be an oasis of comfort no matter what. And I'll kind of paint a picture that I think a lot of folks our age, this is very, very common for, right? So we just had a bad day at school. Maybe we're in fifth grade, maybe we're 15, but we had that bad day where we got to school. Maybe, maybe we showed up just a little bit late. Maybe we were cranky. Maybe something happened. We ended up going to the principal's office a couple of times. We maybe mouthed off to a teacher. We knew our parents heard about it, so, yeah, you know, and we were told our parents were told, and that was halfway through the day. So the rest of the day, we're anxious and we're annoyed, and we walk home, and we just know we're going to get it the second we walk in the door. And we walk in the door, and son of a bitch, we're right. Our parents, because at that time, that was kind of the parenting model, they're honest from the get, right? And then it's a good harangue, and then just wait till your dad or mom get home, and then a good harangue at dinner, and all that nonsense, right? But it's not as though we didn't feel bad already. And if we had walked in the door and instead, the parent who was home, if there was a parent home, I mean, we were all latchkey kids, so maybe not the second we get home, but as soon as we first interacted with our parents, if instead, it was a sit down and about, hey, it looks like you had a rough day. Why didn't you tell me about your rough day? And being compassionately, completely on their side. And then this is not to say the kids shouldn't have consequences, but instead of adding to this complicated those consequences with emotional blackmail, with management by tantrum, which a lot of us did as parents, or a lot of us were raised in that model, and instead approaching those things with, well, here's what happened because you made that mistake. Let's talk about how I'm going to help you manage those consequences with maturity and grace. And that's approaching parent parental communication from that viewpoint, rather than the way many of us were raised, is incredibly powerful from a safety standpoint and from a growth standpoint for your child.
0: That, that's awesome. And I probably could have used a little bit more of that when I was uh, raising my daughter when she was younger, too. And me, too. Me, too. It's uh, I'm not sure whether this is a newer model
1: in parenting circles or whether I just missed the memo until I started talking to a few people. But, yeah, it's uh, it takes some adjusting for a lot of people, I think, especially in the, the martial arts community, because we tend to be kind of high speed, low drag, old school in our approach to conflict. But it's yeah, I can see the power and the change that's wow. come in my parenting, and my youngest children. I can see the, how much better it is.
0: That is awesome. I'm gonna say good morning to Bree. She says good morning, morning to us. She used to be in my Hop keto class until Ooh. she moved away out of Montana. So she moved uh, down to moved down to Texas. So not a student anymore. But you know, we used to have fun when she was learning Hop keto up here. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks for joining us, Bree. Appreciate that. Any final things, Jason? We're going almost a half an hour. And any final thoughts and things that you have for us? So the most important thing is just
1: the uh what you said at the beginning that information is great, but we need to act on that information. And that's one of the one of the reasons the product the podcast exists, the reason the book exists is to try to distill the information into steps we can take. And again, it's a book of 101 such tips ranging from the very, very simple things you can do, you know, fire and forget, one-time things we can do to make our family safe, up to important questions to ask ourselves. For example, there's a whole chapter about, well, should I get a gun? And it's, you know, my, my politics are my politics. I've earned my opinions. You've earned your opinions. It's not about the politics. It's about really looking at the questions you should ask yourself about that, including, are you willing to practice with it? What kind of medical training and medical equipment do you have in the house? All of those things. Right And the question the question that question is really very akin to, well, should I have a table saw? You know it's a tool for a specific purpose that does make the house a little dangerous, more dangerous. And then what are you going to do about that? But each of these things is a step that we can take and act on. And all I encourage you is whether you get information to keep your family safe from my book or whether you get it from any from the podcast or any other source, any of your really valuable resources, Alan. The important thing is you take that. You'll find one thing you can do today. Another thing you can do this week. Another thing you can do over the course of the month and then go do those things. And it'll be a better, safer word, world for all of us.
0: 100%. Dixon says to put safety into practice, you need to practice. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, the, Dixon. There are
1: two yeah. adages about practice that I've picked up over the years that are really important. The first one is people don't rise to the occasion. They fall to their level of training. And the second one came from my uncle who was a uh, It's an interesting character. He spent the first half of his adult life in a Marine Force recon and the second half in education. He has um, unique and interesting viewpoints on things like school shootings. But one thing he says is a plan you do not rehearse is not a plan. It's a wish.
0: Oh, great saying. Dixon's a longtime martial artist. He's one of the instructors at the Mm -hmm. Korean Martial Art Festival that I teach at every year down in Florida. So he's definitely put in some practice over the years to get to where he's at, too. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Well, really appreciate you coming on, Jason. Again, our our thoughts and our philosophies align mm-hmm. so well. We're both out there helping people stay safe, not to be paranoid, just so they can be prepared so they can enjoy life. Yeah. And you now that's you know, that's the key is to enjoy life and do so safely so you can continue to keep enjoying things. And I think that's
1: a that's an important point to close on that's at the core of both of our work that some people are reticent to practice and think about safety topics and especially to talk to their kids about safety topics because they're afraid that it will scare them. But the psychology shows the opposite is true, that if you talk to your kids about a safety situation in an inappropriate manner, in a way that shows them that you have been thinking about this scary thing and have a plan and mom and dad are on this. And here's what you, little guy, little girl, little person can do to help. That's much more empowering and much less scary, often because the thing is, by the time a kid is old enough to understand the conversation we have with them, they've already been exposed to the idea of the threat. And what's better, for them to be just kind of alone with that idea or to
0: know that we're on top of it? I agree 100%. I mean, and you said empowering, and that's the Mm -hmm. key. The knowledge and preparation and practice empowers you to not be afraid of the dangerous things that might be out there. Yeah. Nicole says hello. Thank you for joining us and saying hello, Nicole. Jason, before we close, remind everybody where they can find you, find Mm -hmm. your books, get a hold of you if they'd like to. Absolutely. You can find the podcast,
1: safest family on the block on YouTube. And it's on a lot of the podcast uh, aggregators. I just recently found out it's not on Apple anymore. I'm not sure why. Might've been, we got a couple of cancellations when we had some very frank discussions of suicide a little while ago. And so I think that's the issue, but you can find us on Spotify and whatnot. You can find safest family on the block on Facebook and on Instagram. You can email me at brick, Jason, at gmail.com. You can find the book um, on Amazon, Safest Family on the Block. It's the only book with that title that I was able to find. And again, it's on it's available on Kindle right now and there'll be print copies by next week. And I'd love to, you know, track me down if you have questions or you just want to nerd out about safety. I I love nerding out about this stuff and I love having those conversations. So I really would love to hear from you.
0: Thank you very much for joining us on Coffee with Alan this morning and providing some really great safety tips for all the listeners. Everyone, I will be back tomorrow. We'll be talking about a book or two or three cuz that's what I often do on Saturdays. So we'll see you then. Oh, Chase is having a computer problem again. <laughs> Lost okay. for a second. He's back. Everybody, have a fantastic Friday, a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you tomorrow with Coffee with Alan with the book special on Saturday. Excellent. Take care, y'all.